in a world filled with information. Where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! We call it the elephant in the room when you discuss your plan for retirement. No one wants to think about a need for long-term care, but the need to plan for it remains. On today's show, three reasons your plan may not work out. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Welcome aboard. It is the Get Ready for the Future show. I'm Scott Inman, along with John Shrewsbury and Candace Stanley. Glad to have you along today. As we talk about the thing I think that is something most people don't want to talk about, when it comes to retirement planning, I do think, as we've said before on this show, guys, if you've had personal experience with a family member, typically a parent or grandparent, who has had a need for long-term care, who has had to go to a nursing home, you're going to be more in tune to this subject today. But if you haven't, it's a, it's a really head in the sand kind of thing, right? Because when we talk about retirement, when we talk about financial independence, rightfully so, we want to talk about the good parts. But, yeah. the, but the bad parts are still potentially out there and really likely. They're out there, they're, they're complex, they're scary, and yeah. they're expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, the, the plan cannot be that I'm just going to you know stick my head in the sand and ignore it and hope that everything works out. Here's the deal. I think that most people are not so much scared of the cost or whatever. They just don't want to go to the nursing home. So if you don't want to go to the nursing home, Candace, you probably ought to have a plan to stay out of the nursing home. Yeah, I think that we don't like to think of ourselves as being incapable of taking care of ourselves. Right. But then also having a another bill to add to the mix is probably another reason people are hesitant and you just don't kind of want to have those conversations sometimes. Well, and I think, Scott, when you when you look at this situation of, of long term care, uh, there's there's a lot of irrationality that kicks in here. Well, I'm just going to live forever and it'll be I'll just you know die in my tracks or mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah. I, I but that's not how life works. And, and there is a. Uh, if you are healthy and 65, there is a huge chance that one of you, if you're if you're married, one of you is going to need some type of long-term care at some point in time in your life. And I think most people, if you're watching this show today, and you're going, man, I, I don't know, I don't know if I even want to talk about that. I think the number one thing is is that you definitely want to stay out of a nursing home. I don't know anybody that really looks forward to going to the nursing home so if that's the case then proactivity i think is is the key here scott and we're going to dive into some things that that people have maybe a concept that they can you know stay do something and and avoid this or uh deal with long-term care in a different way but we're going to try to clear some of that up because clarity about your finances is supreme we still use the word retirement on this show multiple times every week but we are on a mission to kind of change the conversation from retirement to financial independence Mm -hmm. and that's That's really what we're talking about here we talk about that on the front end of retirement or financial independence in the sense that you have the ability to work because you want to doing something fun as opposed to something you have to do because you have to pay the bills on the other end of that the long-term care piece i think 
is part of that because truly being independent means you have a plan to stay out of the nursing home. And because being, you're, exactly. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And and being financially independent also means that you have options. Right. And so when we're talking about long-term care, what gives you the best options? And one of those options is usually that they want to stay in their home. Exactly. I, I think the fear comes in, Scott, when people think about losing their dignity, mm-hmm. losing their independence, losing their decision-making ability about stuff. And I, I don't mean cognitive ability, but just running out of options. They, mm-hmm. they haven't planned for something, so they have to do this, as opposed to saying, well, I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do this. We want to put you in a driver's seat. We want you to have those options so you can preserve that dignity and independence. And if you are in a pre-retirement uh, phase of life, you're five to 10 years out from potentially moving into that stage, that's the perfect time to be planning for this and to thinking about it, especially if you're really between 55 and 60, although I think everybody ought to hear this conversation today. But if you're between 55 and 60, I would I would ask that you tune in even a little bit more uh, to what we're talking about today. So John kind of alluded to some of the numbers. Uh, and let's talk about that. Fewer in Fewer than one in thir- 30 Americans own a long-term care insurance policy. And only about 7% of adults over 50 do. Common estimates, though, say that about 50% of older adults will need long-term care at some point in their lives. And if you're over 65, the odds shoot up to 70%. So that means it's highly likely, as John suggested, that at least one person out of a couple will need this type of help. And the cost are, as you know, astronomical. We're going to put some numbers behind it. Everybody knows, generally speaking, that it's very expensive. But let's talk about the average. Assisted living, and these are national averages, so I always kind of temper that with, uh, if you're living in the South, things may be a little bit uh, less than this. But statistically, nationwide, assisted living runs about $48,000 a year. Home health aids can cost more than $52,000 a year. And a private nursing home the care cost there can shoot over $100,000 a year. That's according to a 2019 Gen Worth cost of care study. So when you think about it, matching these two things up, statistically, you are likely at least one of the two of a married couple are likely to need this care. And we just threw those numbers out at what they are likely to cost. You have to address this as part of your financial plan. So when we talk about three reasons your plan for long-term care may not work, your plan may be that you don't have a plan, that you just hope it's all going to work out. John, as you mentioned, I just, I'm just going to die quickly. We, are, we, we certainly don't control that. Well, and no, obviously not. And then the other thing that I think is a huge misnomer that a lot of people have is they say, well, I'll just uh, let the state pay for it. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that, that really anybody that has any amount of wealth, Candace, can, can even go down that road. No, I think that gives you the least options when we're talking about long-term care because you, you may not want to be in a facility that you end up in. You know, when it's paid for by just Medicaid. Now, Medicaid actually ends up being the largest payer of long-term care. Yeah, it is. And because there are so many people that when they get to that stage of life, they are essentially what are called paupers. They they just don't have the money. You have to have less than $2,000 of liquid assets to qualify to go on Medicaid. And there's all kinds of things out there that, you know, people say, well, we can do this and we can do that. But all of that equates to losing dignity and independence. But let's go back to the, the original thing that we talked about. We want you to stay out of the nursing home. 
long-term care, or I'm sorry, Medicaid doesn't pay for home health care. It doesn't pay for assisted living. It pays for inpatient acute long-term care issues, and that's it. So you've got to think about how that's going to all work. If you want to be uh, maintain that dignity and that independence that uh, you have have such a fear of losing, then there there has to be a proactive plan to say, okay, this is how I'm actually going to do that. Let me back up too to that. Uh, I'm going to try to basically make the state pay for it. Yes. You think about that. The quality of care is a big concern about that. But when you think about it, I'm not exactly sure where that mindset comes from. I, I know it is it is triggered. The need for long-term care is triggered by an event out of your control, right? But you are still using the services of a business, and and your mindset is expecting not to have to pay for it if you want the state to pay for it instead. You It is a bill, just like any other bill, that you're going to have to pay for, and you're going to have to go through your assets first before the state is going to pick up the tab, right? So, That's right. So why not make a plan to not deplete your assets? And, of course, a lot of people will fight that, fight back with the idea of getting it out of their name. So we might yes. as well go ahead and hit that while we're talking about it. Well, you can do something that is basically an irrevocable trust. And that's when you put all of your assets in this irrevocable trust that takes it out of your name and literally puts it in the control of another person. Now, that other person may be a family member or whatever, but it literally does take those assets out of your name. That takes a lot of trust in someone else to hand over all of your assets and say, you take care of it. So that the state will take care of me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that and here's the other problem with that, Scott. You can do that with non-retirement assets, but what is your biggest asset that you have? It's probably your retirement account in more more cases than not. So you can't put that into an irrevocable trust. It would create a taxable event Uh, you'd have to pay the taxes on that and that reduces the amount of money that you've got and it it really does you know create this death spiral if you will of the money so you you run into all kinds of issues with that uh, and that is not something that that we recommend to people unless there's just no other alternative so there are in essence four ways to pay for long-term care. And we've kind of vetted out through the Medicaid option there. That is really only for people who have not accumulated any assets in life rather than we think looking at it as I'm going to spend mine down first just to get to it or get them out of my name. It really should be, I think, considered a last resort. The other way is to self-insure. And that's a very difficult thing to determine for someone. If you are multimillionaire wealthy, that's a very good possibility. Now, how you know that, I think, is the bigger problem. And that's why so much of this goes back into an overall financial plan. When you think about the way we go through the ready-to-retire process here, we're going to build a monthly income plan for people during their financial independence that can take a look at, have you overfunded retirement? Yes. Do you have mm-hmm. enough assets to support your lifestyle for the fun part, as going back to that conversation, for what you want to do, what you need to do to pay the bills, so that there are additional assets not needed to provide you with income. In that case, you can self-insure. You can put a bucket over to the side, moderately invest it, 
for the purpose of funding your long-term care. Scott, I just had the privilege of working with someone who just retired. Uh, Candace and I actually both did uh, over $6 million of liquid net worth. I'm pretty comfortable that they will be able to yes. fund, self-fund long-term care. Yes. But how many times do people accumulate $6 million of liquid net worth? They, it's fairly it's not rare. average. It, it's mm-hmm. n- certainly not average. Uh, you know, if you said a million dollars, I don't know. I, I don't know that that is something that you want to stake your dignity and independence on, that you would be able to fund that and do all the other things that you need to do with that money in retirement. Yeah, if you retire with about a million dollars and leaving a legacy is important to you, then you definitely need to be looking at a long-term care plan. Or you have a high income need. Mm -hmm. and a high income desire to do things with that million dollars because it all connects back to the income. So that needs to be part of an overall financial plan. We can do that in the ready-to-retire process at GenWealth to determine can you be a self-insurer to address your long-term care need. That can be a plan. The other two ways are both around leveraging an insurance company. So do you need a long-term care policy? There are two types, uh, generally speaking. Traditional long-term care, and life insurance with a chronic illness rider. So let's kind of get into a little bit of the differences between those two. Traditional long-term care, the reason it's called traditional is because it's the one that's been around the longest, but it is a use-it-or-lose-it proposition, right? You're going to pay a premium for a policy, and as long as you're paying that premium, the policy is active, but the rates can go up, right? The premium can go up. It is not typically a level premium, and we just talked about, we didn't really actually address this, but we talked about the Uh, cost of care. But when you think about inflation and the way it has uh, caused those costs to go up, they're really getting more expensive on an annual basis. And those traditional long-term care policies are typically tied to a healthcare chassis. So as those costs go up, so do the policy premiums. And we've seen many people get to the point where they can't afford those right about the time they're going to need to use them. Yeah, this is this is why we have shifted from making recommendations for traditional long-term care insurance to a different type of policy. In a traditional long-term care policy, just think of it kind of like you think about your health insurance. You pay a premium. It pays the benefit, and and as costs go up, then the cost of your premium is going to go up as well. And so you've got that situation kind of working against you, that accelerated cost into the future can run you out of that long-term care policy. Candace, I've seen situations where people maybe began paying for a long-term care policy, and it was affordable when they began to pay for it. But as time went on, the cost went up and up and up, and their ability to pay got less and less and less, but they were getting closer and closer to the day when they actually need that policy, and it really does put them in a squeeze. Yeah, and then we'll we'll typically want to review that policy when that premium goes up and see, okay, are there riders on there that we may need to adjust, or should we lower what the benefits are so that this stays affordable? So then you have to start giving up things. And the other thing about a traditional policy is that it will only pay to a skilled nursing facility. You don't have the choice. So again, less options. You know, you don't have the choice. Uh, you can have, you have the choice of where that skilled nursing facility is, but you typically don't have the choice to stay home unless there's a home uh, health writer. Well, and and you don't have the option of what a lot of people would like to have is to say 
maybe they have a child and that child is going to take a furlough from work and they can pay that child to take care of them Mm -hmm. and replace that income that they're losing because of that. And if you have a traditional long-term care policy, that's likely not to happen unless you have a very specialized policy. So let's talk about the other one then, the life insurance policy with the chronic illness rider. So you think about this and how it differs. It's not going to be use it or lose it. You, If you are uh, eligible for that policy and you put it in force and you're paying the premium, somebody's getting paid. There is a pool of money, in essence, that you are purchasing, rather, whether as a death benefit, because if this covers someone for if you, if you die suddenly and you don't need long-term care, then your heir is going to receive the full amount of the death benefit. But if you need care, you'll be able to use that pool of money until it runs out for care. If you use part of it and then pass away, there's still a residual death benefit in it. So that amount of money is getting paid out. Now, they may typically start a little more expensive on the front end uh, than the traditional long-term care policy, but the premium will remain level because it is a life insurance policy. So to John's point, and we'll, I'll let you talk a little bit more about it, that gets you into because it is a the, the, the lever that gets pulled to begin this distribution of the funds is a qualifying event, which is a physician signing off that you cannot perform two of the six activities of daily living. So let's say you had a stroke and you can't feed yourself or you can't move yourself from one room to another. Then that's going to put you into... Uh, the policy paying out and it hits your bank account, right? It is a it is an income stream, and that's where you have the flexibility on how you use it. Yeah, there are no restrictions on how you use that money. You have a qualifying event; they start paying you. So, if you wanted to pay your daughter to take care of you, your son to take care of you, uh, uh, any other relative to take care of you, you wanted to pay for that expense. If you wanted to hire somebody to mow your yard, if you wanted to hire somebody to fix a wheelchair ramp, so you could use that. All of those give you options, which is kind of the key of what. we're wanting to emphasize here candace yeah with a a traditional plan so back to the traditional plan for just a minute or policy i should say um, it can typically be a paper chase where you have to pay for the um the nursing facility ahead of time and then submit those bills back to the insurance company to be reimbursed but with the um, life insurance with a critical illness rider they're going to be putting that uh, cash that benefit right into your bank account for you to use however you need to whether you need to install a wheelchair ramp or a uh, you, the refrigerator broke down and you need to replace it, or again pay, paying loved ones to uh, to help out, you know, lots of flexibility there. Yeah, Scott, I I know that without a doubt, as people get older, one of the things that that really does torment them is the complexity of life, and when you think about what Candace just said about that paper chase of. I pay this bill and then I have to get the the statement or the receipt from the nursing home. I have to send that into the uh, insurance company and they're going to take their time to kind of cut me a check back. There's a lot of moving parts there and you got to keep up with it. And if your cognitive ability is being impaired by whatever the, the situation is, then you got a real problem there. And so as you, you as you stop and think about that, you know, you're trying to simplify your life. You're trying to make things easier, not harder. And that's why I think that traditional long-term care insurance has kind of fallen by the wayside. And there's a huge drive in popularity of life insurance policies with this chronic illness rider. Scott, I want to go back to this whole thing of about who needs long-term care. We talked about the broke folks that, that, you know, they don't have any assets. 
it's the state's going to take care of them. We talked about the super wealthy people, people that have five or six million plus in, in liquid net worth. They can probably float this thing on their own. But I want you to think about the huge number of you guys out there that are listening to this that are somewhere in between. And you are, are kind of constrained in terms of how much money you've got. You don't have an endless supply of money. That money needs to be doing a lot of different things for you in retirement. Not only is it to fund your existence and, and uh, all the things, all the expenses that you have, you probably have a spouse. And that money doesn't need to be siphoned away from the spouse to pay for your long-term care. What's he or she going to do when the limited amount of money that you've got coming in gets redirected to the nursing home or to home health care, whatever the case may be? It always makes sense to have a buffer there that you can continue to, to support the loved one who is still at home and who still has expenses. You know, the property tax bill is not going to change. The grocery bill, probably not going to change a whole lot. The electric bill, still going to be coming in every month. All of those things have to be taken care of. If you are draining those assets that you have in your retirement account and you're siphoning that, uh, that income stream uh, greatly over to the long-term care benefits that you need, then what happens at home? I think that's a huge yeah. question that a lot of people really need to think about as they consider how to address this issue. And I think, John, it also highlights the need to do this, to make this decision on how to address long-term care if it is an insurance solution, not to be done in a vacuum, not to be done, hey, I just need a policy. Because when you talk about all those things, that revolves back to the discussion over comprehensive financial planning or going through the ready-to-retire process and developing an income plan so that you know what the two people are living on. Yes. Maybe it is robust enough to say, let's say we're, we've created a plan for someone for $10,000 a month in income. And if there's a long-term care event, one of them is going to need seven of that, let's say. Yes. Well, they may not need to have coverage for the full $7,000. Maybe they only need partial coverage mm -hmm. an income stream from a policy that would give them three or $4,000. It can all be done as part of the comprehensive plan. Mm -hmm. Our intent in looking at this is not to sell you the biggest, fattest, long-term care policy with the biggest premium that you could possibly stomach. Our intent is to look at the situation with very clear eyes and say, what is it that you need to have happen if you have an event in your life that you need to spend money on care? So by sitting down with a Gen Wealth advisor, for sure, we're going to look at the, the total picture and see where we might need to fill in at. That can, in, in a lot of cases, lower the amount of premium that you have to pay because you don't need quite as much money. If you're trying to 100% to fund long-term care with a policy and not ever touch any of your money, then that can be a problem. So you have to create a balancing act of, okay, uh, can we take some of the money that was being spent on things that that person was, uh, was consuming at home and what have you, and shift that over? Maybe their social security payment or whatever going uh, toward that, that long-term care need and supplementing that social security amount. Then you get a real plan that actually works when the situation arises. Well, the topic of today's show, three reasons your plan won't work. And our first issue was, is 
you just hope it won't happen. That's your plan. We've discussed in great detail of how that's not the best way to address long-term care. Our second issue here is to rely on others. Your plan is to rely on others. And I think we've discussed this a little bit with the opportunity for a long-term care policy that could pay someone, potentially a family member, to take care of you. But you want to address that part of it too, because when you think about the burden that you could be on uh, family members because they would have to uh, leave their job or they may be caring for kids uh, still at home. In some cases, you may be overly reliant on a caregiver or spouse, and people are doing that more more now than ever. Uh, today, more than one in five Americans are caregivers, meaning they've provided care to an adult or child with special needs at some point in the past 12 months. The, this totals an estimated 53 million adults in the United States up from the estimated 43.5 million caregivers in 2015. The average non-professional caregiver spends $7,000 a year in the United States on their loved one who needs needs care. So when you think about that, money often coming out of their savings, out of their checking account, but it might even come out of their retirement funds. So you think about the generational drain that can occur when you haven't created a plan for yourself for long-term care. Candace, I want to kind of role play here with you for just a second. You're, okay. you're a mom. You know, I'm great at that. Okay. Yeah, I'm not getting a little worried. <laughs> you're a mom. Yes. You're a wife. Yes. You got three kids. Yes. You got a household to run. You got a life. Yep. What would happen if suddenly a family member called you and said, Candace, I need you to come take care of me? That would completely uh, blow up our lives. Yeah. You know, that would be very, very difficult for uh, one of us to step away right in the middle of raising our children right. to go and do. You know, I think there's tons of us like that. You think about the uh, ball games that you miss, the events at school that you mm-hmm. would miss, the uh, family time at home mm-hmm. when you're having to be away. Yeah. Uh, that Those are all things that people don't really stop and consider when they have this somewhat cavalier attitude of, oh, well, it'll all just work out. Somebody will take care of me mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. I think that there's this ripple effect, guys, on on the extended family uh, of that person who needs the care. And I would venture to say you are a financial professional. You're not a medical professional. Correct. So giving care has its limits. Certainly, you know how to do a few things, but uh, you get... There's a reason I did not become a nurse. There you go. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So your quality of care that you get from that family member could not be up to the level of expectation or the level that you might need. So those are problems as well. We talked Mm -hmm. about the potential that the caretaker would take money out of their retirement funds, which would obviously be a drain on their financial independence in the future. But it can also take time away from work, which usually means missed opportunities for pay increases and missed opportunities for future contributions to those retirement accounts, too, if they're not there. So it's it, it has rippling effects for sure. Uh, And certainly you do want to have a plan to stay out of the nursing home. So the family component can be very important there. But that goes back to the the, uh, opportunity to leverage an insurance company uh, potentially so that they can pay uh, for all of that missed time at work or all of those future contributions that might not happen during that time. All right, so our third reason now, we'll get to it. We kind of got a hustle here. We're in the last few minutes of the program. But our topic today, three reasons your plan for long-term care won't work. And our first uh, first one was you hope it won't happen. That's your plan. Well, if that's your plan, obviously there are lots of reasons that won't work. 
And the second one we talked about was you plan to rely on others. What if your plan is to leave a legacy? What if your plan is to pass something on to charity or pass something on to the next generation? Think about not having a plan for long-term care and the impact that it could have on that side of the equation. Well, we've already kind of talked about the impact that it could have on your spouse because that money gets redirected over here to this acute need. But let's talk about after you're gone and and what you leave behind. First of all, do you leave your spouse more constrained as an, an, an investor mm-hmm. uh, and without the ability to really generate the level of income that he or she may need after you're gone? And then if you also stop and think about it, what about the legacy that, that you wanted to leave? If you wanted to leave funds for your kids or your grandchildren or your favorite charity, a lot of that gets caught, uh, tossed on the, on the ash heap of life because you didn't make the, the plans and the arrangements to deal with this almost certain expense, as we've said earlier, that this is coming down the pike. You need to be prepared for it. Yeah, one of the um, the things that we'll go through with the ready-to-retire process is reviewing your estate plan. Do you have one? And not that we're attorneys and that we you know draw up trusts and things like that, but we definitely encourage our clients to meet with an estate planning attorney to discuss, do you need a trust? And if you don't have one, we'll recommend one to you. Exactly. Uh, do you have a will? Um, one of the um, uh, issues with long-term care, um, backing up not while you're still here but still needing care, Uh, is a medical proxy. Having a medical proxy is very important. What if you are still uh, living, but you're incapacitated? Who do you want to make decisions for you? Power of attorney, uh, things of that nature. Yeah, those are are all issues that are real issues. They really do happen. They really do come up in in everyday lives of people. Uh, Most of us think it's not going to happen to me. Well, just go ask somebody that's been in an accident or whatever the case may be. And we all think about this as in terms of, of getting older and losing your cognitive abilities and the decline of your health and life. Uh, think about this. Accidents yeah. can put you in a situation where you need long-term care. I've seen hundreds of auto accidents over the course of my life uh, and and been aware of situations where people were incapacitated for an extended period of time needed care but when you fall over from a a uh, you know a, a regular illness into something that is a chronic long-term care problem your health insurance doesn't necessarily cover that you mentioned the power of attorney too so important i have an 86 year old client and she is going through some uh, dementia at this point as well. And it's been going on for a couple of years. But she And she was reluctant to do this. But she did finally, a couple of years ago, make her grandson her power of attorney. Mm-hmm. And I get it. She, her deal is she trusts the grandson. She knows that the grandson has her best interests. But letting go of that control, right? Uh, letting go of the financial side of that. But it's so needed now because, and she'll she'll be the first to tell me when we talk, is that you know she she would struggle to pay the bills at mm-hmm. this point, right? She needs somebody to take charge of that. That's a different kind of long term care, not yeah. not health related, but financial related. Sure. And, and let's be sure that we're clear about this. If you have a will, that is not an estate plan. That is actually going to put you through probate or put your your family through probate when you're gone. Uh, a well crafted estate plan. 
really does kind of take all of this into account. And and uh, guys, I, I'm really uh, this sounds almost morbid to even talk about it, but I get excited b- about the opportunity to sit down with a client and an attorney because then all the the right resources mm-hmm. are at the table that you can bring to bear on this now you may say meeting with a financial advisor and attorneys right up there with me going to the dentist <laughs> and getting my wisdom teeth out or something like that and that's probably true but these are things that that sooner or later you're going to have to deal with hope is not a plan you've got to be able to execute this to be able to get down the road and be in a situation where you can preserve that dignity and independence we've been talking about. Let's go ahead and say, too, as we get ready to wrap up, if you haven't done that, now's the time to act on that. Whatever piece of that puzzle still needs to be put in the overall view, maybe we're starting from scratch. Maybe the puzzle's still in the box. That's just fine, too. Step through the ready-to-retire process and see what all comes out of that because the conversations, like you said, starting with the income plan, matching the assets to your income plan, determining your need for long-term care, how to address that, whether it's an insurance company, self-insure, and then bringing the estate planning uh, piece of that into the overall financial plan. If you haven't done all of those steps, make sure you, you, you act on it. Hearing it today, you can, you can reach out to us here. You can go to getreadyforthefuture.com and begin to schedule your first appointment and walk through it here with one of the financial advisors we have here at GenWealth. It is time for our final thoughts. You heard the bell, and Candace, we'll start with you. I'll just recap. Three reasons your plan may not work, or your long-term care plan, I should say, is uh, your plan isn't actually a plan. You're just kind of hoping it doesn't happen, or you're heavily relying on others, or you haven't incorporated an estate plan. We encourage you to do so. Scott, when you really think about this, you, you sit down and you go, okay, I need to deal with this. I, the head in the sand thing is not going to work. I need to deal with this. Having a relationship with a financial advisor is the first step of that. A financial advisor who is worth his salt or her salt will literally help you to bring in the right people to establish your long-term care plan, your retirement income plan, Everything about your financial life really does center on that relationship with that financial advisor and the assembling of the expertise that's necessary to address these issues so that you can have a life that you really do enjoy. My final thought is to point you towards one resource we always have available out there, and that's the 15-Minute Retirement Checkup. You can visit 15MinuteRetirement.com. Use the number one the number five, and then spell out minuteretirement.com. Or an even easier way is to text the word checkup to 501-381-5228. Say that number one more time, 501-381-5228. Text the word checkup and get started on your free assessment and take the first step towards true financial independence. And that's all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. We thank you, as always, for being with us for three reasons your plan for long-term care may not work out. We hope we gave you gave you some valuable information. And join us again next time. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. 
That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.